0: This is the California Report. I'm Maddie Bolaños in San Francisco. Seven California Highway Patrol officers are facing involuntary manslaughter charges after a suspected DUI driver died while in their custody in Los Angeles County. L.A. County District Attorney George Gascone says video shows the officers trying to restrain Edward Bronstein in March of 2020 at the CHP station. Forcibly pressing their knees against his legs and neck,
1: Mr. Bronstein screams, "I can't breathe," over and over and pleads for help while officers continue to restrain him and even demanding that he stop yelling. Mr. Bronstein's shrieks get softer until he is silent.
0: Gascon said several minutes passed before officers attempted CPR to try to revive Bronstein. The seven officers have been placed on administrative leave. The Shasta County Board of Supervisors will replace voting equipment targeted by former President Trump and others, promoting the lie that the 2020 election was stolen. KQED Politics Editor Scott Schaefer reports.
1: Earlier this year, Shasta County supervisors discussed ending their contract for voting machines with Dominion. That's the company cited by 2020 election conspiracy theorists. Tuesday, the board confirmed it would sever ties with them and move to a hand counting of ballots. County elections chief Kathy Darling-Allen expressed frustration with the idea of using citizens to count ballots.
2: I don't have any desire to use volunteers. We need to background check folks. We need to fingerprint them. If you want to increase voter trust, then we need to vet the folks who are touching the ballot.
1: Allen and others say there's no evidence of any problem with Dominion machines, which are used in 40 of California's 58 counties. Left unanswered is how voters with disabilities who need special equipment to cast a ballot securely and privately will have their right to vote protected. Disability rights advocates are keeping a close eye on what Shasta County does and could end up filing a lawsuit against the new policy. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer.
0: Housing advocates say landlords have been taking advantage of a loophole in California's Tenant Protection Act to kick renters out. Lawmakers passed the landmark legislation in 2019 to keep tenants in their homes. KQED's Vanessa Rancaño reports a new bill aims to close that loophole. Antonio Avila has
3: been living in the same Concord apartment since 2012. He shares the two-bedroom with his wife and three kids. His brother and cousins live here. He knows all his neighbors, and he's happy. But in August, a new owner bought the apartment building, and within months, Avila got an eviction notice. Porque según van a remodelar? The notice said the owner plans to substantially remodel the property. California doesn't have data on why people get evicted, but tenant organizer Betty Gabaldon says since the Tenant Protection Act went into effect, she's seen an uptick in renovation-related evictions. So using it's a loophole in the law. Landlords are using to get rid of tenants. Renovation is one of the few reasons landlords can evict without cause under state law. But she says there's no accountability to make sure landlords follow through. Under the law, renovations must be major enough to require permits. But in Avila's case, the city says no permit has been filed. Representatives for his landlord say they'll start that process once they hire contractors. But Gabaldon's experience with other tenants makes her skeptical. It's because the substantial renovations really don't happen. They buy it, kick everybody out, put a little bit of paint on it, and then re-rent. Leah Simon-Weisberg is the legal director for the Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment Institute. She says claiming they're renovating also allows landlords to get around the state's 10% cap on annual rent increases. It's a real problem. Displacement should not be at the core <laughs> of a person's business model. In Avila's case, his property manager says she offered him another apartment in a town 30 minutes away for $500 more a month. He turned her down because he wants to stay in Concord, close to his family and his job. Tenants' rights organizations say these so-called renovictions are happening around the state. Now, they've helped come up with a proposal to crack down on them. State Senator Maria Elena Durazo announced the legislation SB 567 in mid-March.
2: We have to close the loopholes
3: for landlords to evict people. She's calling it the Homelessness Prevention Act. So we can't let families get pushed out on the streets. Under the bill, tenants would get a relocation payment or be allowed to return to their homes after the renovation at the same rent. Simon Weisberg says that cuts off the financial incentive to exploit renovations. Then landlords will only do it where they need to do it, not as a business model. The bill would also lower the state rent cap from 10 to 5 percent, expand the number of Californians covered by that cap, and place other restrictions on evictions. Earl Vaughn, president of the California Rental Housing Association, says the 2019 law was a long-negotiated compromise.
4: This was a bill that was supposed to be fair to both the landlords and the tenants, allowing landlords to at least have a way to you know, raise the rent so we could maintain our properties.
3: He says property owners need to raise rents to deal with the impacts of inflation and COVID eviction moratoriums.
4: How are we supposed to absorb these kinds of costs?
3: Antonio Avila is asking himself a similar question as he prepares to move his family into a new apartment in Concord that's going to cost him $400 more a month. Rents go up, but salaries don't, he says. He's been working at a market for over six years and makes $16 an hour, just over minimum wage. He says he'll find another job at night to afford the increase. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño in Concord.
2: Support for the California Report comes from Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing, working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health. On the web at 11thHourRacing.org.
0: And that's the California Report for Thursday, March 30th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
4: April is right around the corner, and the Board of Supervisors of Nevada County just wrapped up their final meeting of March. KVMR's Julia Jem covered the meeting for us, and she joins me now. Hi, Julia. Hi. How'd it go?
5: The meeting went as it normally does, with the consent calendar consisting of items number 1 through 21B.
4: Was there any public comment?
5: There was. In the beginning, it mostly pertained to the sale of mine waste, and mine waste in general, all from residents and members of organizations who are in opposition of the Idaho-Maryland mine.
4: Was there any public commentary in favor of the mine? No. Anything else happened during public commentary?
5: There were some members of the IHSS. The union? The union for in-home supportive services. um, And they were demanding a dignified wage.
4: What did they say?
5: They noted that they make less money than fast food restaurant workers. And they feel that the work that they do is deserving of higher pay.
4: And so they just came to put that on public record?
5: I suppose so. Yeah.
4: Because that's not something that the board was addressing.
5: No, no.
4: Interesting. Presumably the consent calendar passed. Yes. And so then they moved on to other items. Tell me what items you thought were significant.
5: Well, the first thing that I found worth noting was that uh, five items were in a closed session. And that means that the general public isn't allowed to be present for those items. And it took up quite a lot of time.
4: Was it a long closed session?
5: It was the longest that I've observed in the time that I've been attending the meetings.
4: Well, when they came back, what did they do?
5: Um, Well, there was a resolution proclaiming April 3rd to 9th of 2023 as Public Health Week in Nevada County. And then number 23 was a resolution proclaiming April 10th through 14th of 2023 as Eligibility and Employment Week in Nevada County. Both of them were approved.
4: Great. What else?
5: Well, there was item number 25, which was a resolution authorizing the process to select a person to fill the vacancy that's a result of the current treasurer tax collector, Tina Vernon's, retirement.
4: When does her term end?
5: Her term ends on January 4th, uh, 2027 at noon. So the newly selected person is expected to fill that role until then, Um, but she's leaving on April 28th. So they would fill the position on April 29th. I see. Of 2023.
4: So the person that they choose is the interim treasurer, tax collector, and then it'll presumably go to election.
5: Yes. That process was kind of complicated because the resolution was just authorizing the process to select a person. It wasn't necessarily to select a person, but Supervisor Schofield made a motion to directly appoint the selected person that day. And that was approved, although District 3 did vote no.
4: Who's District 3 again?
5: Lisa Swarthout. But it passed. His motion passed. And then he also made a motion to, quote, amend the resolution to reflect. What does that mean? It's complicated. Uh, But essentially, it means that as of April 29th, 2023, Michelle Bodley will be directly appointed to fill the treasurer tax collector position.
4: It sounds like something rather simple that has to be done in a complicated way.
5: Yeah, it was was the process that was complicated. Right.
4: Um, Anything else?
5: Um, Well, there were two items in the afternoon session, 26A and 26B, and they were both pretty dense and they don't make any decisions in the process of these two items, which were, well, 26A was the review and acceptance of the 2022 general plan annual progress report to the Board of Supervisors. And then 26B was the review and acceptance of the 2022 housing element annual progress report to the Board of Supervisors.
4: Can you tell me what that means in plain English?
5: Not really. I mean it's they're 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 basically reviewing progress reports. They they're required to view them by the state, but they don't make any decisions. Nothing really happens, so there's not a whole lot to talk about really.
4: But they have to acknowledge on record that they're reviewing
5: their progress reports. Yes.
4: Oh, okay. Has the Board of Supervisors set a date for the next meeting? Not yet. I trust though that when they do, you'll cover this for us? I will. All right. Julia Jem, thanks so much. Thank you. Fisk observations from a working poet well I'm
2: in a bad mood for no clear reason just snowstorms broken fencing old car issues envy of other poets the state of the world blah blah it's all so boring I can't stand to think about it and despite being an Olympic caliber whiner I'm not going to say another word Radio people frown on silence. It's called dead air, which has nothing to do with Jerry Garcia or gratitude. Here, listen to this. I was counting to ten in my head. When your medium is sound, removing it seems abnormal, even terrible. Your audience will think something is wrong. If they tune in mid-pause, they might decide the station has disappeared and turn the dial to listen to something else. A lot of radio relies on advertising, so they want more listeners who might be lured into buying things, not fewer. Our outfit, KVMR 89.5 FM Nevada City, has some excellent underwriters, but we rely on listeners for much of our support. And I think you, those darlings at home or in your car, are both smart and adventurous. A little silence doesn't throw you. You're here for other things besides commerce. I mean, why else would you put up with a poet's opinions for 17 years? You may or may not recall that April is National Poetry Month. Starting on Saturday, there will be many poetical events in Nevada County and beyond if you need a fix. And I'll be reading you poems every Thursday night on this here station, starting now with Collective Nouns for Humans in the Wild by Colorado writer Kathy Fish. Remember, what I say here is my own individual opinion, and don't blame anybody else for it. After you hear this, maybe offer yourself a little extra silence. Collective Nouns for Humans in the Wild. A group of grandmothers is a tapestry. A group of toddlers, a jubilance. See also, a bewailing. A group of librarians is an enlightenment. A group of visual artists is a bioluminescence. A group of short story writers is a flannery. A group of musicians is a band. A resplendence of poets. A beacon of scientists a raft of social workers. A group of first responders is a valiance. A group of peaceful protesters is a dream. A group of special education teachers is a transcendence. A group of neonatal ICU nurses is a divinity. A group of hospice workers, a grace. Humans in the wild, gathered and feeling good, previously an exhilaration, now a target, a target of concert goers, a target of moviegoers, a target of dancers, a group of school children is a target.
4: Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.